Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estala with a word in edgewise. Today is the 18th of October, the 291st day of 2021, with only 74 days remaining until 2022. Much of last week was again sunny and dry, but not yet abnormally so, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor website, with only the northwestern third of Maine still experiencing a range of drought intensities. That doesn't mean, however, much of our landscape doesn't continue to be affected by this past summer's ubiquitous lack of moisture. Witness, for example, the recently increased seasonal drop of needles from our eastern white pine trees, showing their delayed response to being stressed by drought the past few months. Yesterday, 74 years ago, in Hull's Cove on Mount Desert Island, Mrs. Gilbert called the fire department to report smoke rising from a cranberry bog between her home and Dolliver's Dump on the Crooked Road. The smoke was emanating from the nascent embers that soon would be fanned by increasing winds blowing the fire toward Eagle Lake. Maine's drought in 1947 had been quite severe, with a stretch of a hundred days during which no precipitation had occurred, leaving the landscape that held myriad bogs of one sort or another, surrounded by dense tree cover, all one mass of tinder, ready for ignition. Half the eastern side of Mount Desert Island would eventually burn, along with thousands of acres and assorted fires elsewhere in Maine. Today in 1773, Phyllis Wheatley, the first African-American author of a published book of poetry, was freed from slavery. The process was known as manumission, meaning a release from slavery, involving a slave owner setting a slave free, as opposed to emancipation, which involves government action. Wheatley had been born 20 years earlier in West Africa, near present-day Gambia or Senegal, and had been sold by a local chief to a visiting trader, who transported her aboard slave, a slave ship named the Phyllis to Boston in the British colony of Massachusetts. There she was bought by wealthy merchant and tailor John Wheatley as a slave for his wife, Susanna, who named the young eight-year-old girl Phyllis after the ship that brought her to America. John and Susanna's 18-year-old daughter Mary and their son Nathaniel were Phyllis's tutors. By age 12, Phyllis was reading Greek and Latin classics, those of Homer, Horace, and Virgil, for instance, in the original languages. She also became strongly influenced by the works of John Milton and Alexander Pope. The 1773 London publication of Phyllis Wheatley's Poems on Various Subjects, Religious and Moral, brought her fame in England and in the American colonies. George Washington, among many others, praised her work. On Wednesday, we'll have October's full moon, known variously as the Hunter's Moon, the Blood Moon, and the Sanguine Moon. And daily, the visual joys of autumnal New England are everywhere complemented by pastels of red, purple, orange, and yellow expanding across the landscape as leaves turn and eventually collect on the ground, reminiscent of E.E. E. Cummings's vertically structured 1958 poem, A Leaf Falls on Loneliness. Elsewhere, many of us have, as our greatest fear, the possibility of loneliness, which should not be confused with being solitary, though many have difficulty making the distinction. 
our compunction to gather together gets the better of our brains and creates a paradox, because we should be avoiding each other at all costs at the moment, so as not to infect one another with what can be a most deadly virus, and this collective inability to unify ourselves in a logical and reasonable battle against the worldwide plague known as COVID is once more revealed in the latest data concerning the pandemic. Since the first reported cases on January 21st, 2020, we here in the United States, in the land of the free and the home of the brave, where we like to say so much about independence but frequently demonstrate the opposite by coming up with yet additional ways to group together for one or another communal activity requiring a more or less uniform mindset, one which, alas, totally ignores the basics of Contamination 101, of course continue to lead the way in being COVID's best friend. Having now logged nearly 45 million confirmed cases, though India continues to close in on that figure, now having 35 million cases. In third place globally, Brazil is at 22 million cases. Fourth, fifth, and sixth places respectively go to the UK with 8.4 million cases, Russia with 7.8 million cases, and Turkey with 7.6 million cases. Total world confirmed cases are at 240 million and counting. Meanwhile, worldwide deaths due to COVID are at 4.9 million, while COVID deaths here in the United States are at 722,000, up again at least 12,000 since last week. Not a huge number for some folks unless someone close to you has succumbed to COVID. Worldwide, 6.6 billion doses of vaccine have been administered. My girlfriend and I got our boosters just the other day. Today in 1926, Charles Edward Anderson Berry was born in San Jose, California, though Chuck and his five siblings spent much of their childhood in St. Louis, Missouri, in a pleasant, middle-class neighborhood where, despite having a congenial environment, young Chuck became a delinquent and spent time in a reformatory. Less harsh was his membership in the Antioch Baptist Church Choir, where Chuck received his first musical instruction. He also sang in the high school glee club, where his music teacher was impressed by Chuck's talent and inspired him to buy a guitar and teach himself to play. After high school came gigs as a factory worker and a hairdresser. Then Chuck took on jobs playing guitar and singing, eventually forming his own combo, meeting Muddy Waters, being introduced to record company executive Leonard Chess, and subsequently being invited to audition. Chuck's parody of country-western songs materialized as a tune he called Maybelline. Within weeks, it became the first song to be a number one hit in three of Billboard's categories, pop, rhythm and blues, and country western. Other hits such as Roll Over Beethoven, Sweet Little Sixteen, My Ding-A-Ling, and Johnny B. Good followed, with Chuck Berry saying this about his fame, I never looked for recognition. I was paying for a home and a new car. In 1971, I had the impromptu privilege of mixing sound for Chuck Berry, being backed by a group called Wakefield at the Skunk Creek Inn in Boulder, Colorado. Today is also the birthday in 1919 of former Canadian Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau, in 1926 of Polish actor Klaus Kinski, in 1927 of American actor George C. Scott, in 1934 of Swedish actress Inger Stevens, in 1935 of American actor Peter Boyle, in 1939 of alleged assassin Lee Harvey Oswald, in 1947 of songwriter Laura Nero, in 1950 of Indian actor Om Puri. 
1951, of American actress Pam Dauber. In 1956, of Czech-American tennis player Martina Navatarova. In 1960, of Belgian actor Jean-Claude Van Damme. In 1973, of American journalist Rachel Nichols. And in 1990, of American basketball player Brittany Griner. From Orono, Maine, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Here's to the fifth official week of autumn.